Welcome to Illuminated by You, raising mental health awareness and reducing stigma. We're your hosts, Katherine Cottom and Joanne Phipps. Information provided through Illuminated by You's website, blog, and podcast are for informational purposes only designed for the general education of the consumer. It is not, nor is it intended to be, a substitute for medical advice. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have about a medical condition. Never disregard the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider or delay in seeking it because of anything you heard on Illuminated by You's podcast, read on Illuminated by You's website, or saw on any of Illuminated by You's social media sites. Hey guys, welcome to episode 11 of Illuminated by You. Today we're going to be talking about mental health working animals. And later in the month we'll be talking about meditation and mindfulness, yoga, and Nishala Joy Devi's book, The Secret Power of Yoga, which we would love for you to have read by the 26th so that we can discuss. Okay, so there are three basic types of working animals in terms of the mental health field. There are therapy dogs, emotional support animals, and service dogs. We're going to talk about each one and the differences between them and that type of thing. So therapy dogs don't actually have to be just dogs. It can really be therapy animals. Um, But they're trained and certified or registered through different organizations. And each place where you might want to take your therapy dog has different requirements in terms of which organization they want certification through. A couple of them are Pet Partners and the Alliance of Therapy Dogs. But I know when my grandmother was in an assisted living facility, someone brought in bunnies one day and that was really cute. So therapy dogs or therapy animals go into hospitals, retirement homes, schools, hospices, disaster areas, and assisted living facilities. If you go to college and it's exam week, they may bring therapy dogs in. I know that AB Tech is doing that this year, and I know Western did it while I was there. Therapy dogs or animals provide comfort and affection, and they don't have any special rights when it comes to airplanes, housing, or public areas, which is different from emotional support animals and from service dogs or service animals. Emotional support animals can be several different types of animals. They have to be certified by a letter written by a person's counselor, therapist, social worker, or psychiatrist stating basically why the person needs the emotional support animal and in what capacity it helps with their disability. Yeah, so you can't just say, my dog gives me comfort, so therefore... It's an emotional support animal. Yeah, that doesn't make your animal an emotional support animal. You have to have a letter written by one of those four people. ESAs provide comfort, affection, and companionship. They do have special rights when it comes to flying and housing. So if you go to book your flight, there's like an area that says special assistance pets or special assistance animals. And you click on that. And when you get to the airport, you have to show them a letter from one of those four people saying that it's an emotional support animal, but they can fly with you. And with housing, you ha- in non-pet friendly housing, you have to provide that letter to your landlord. 
ESAs don't have any special rights when it comes to public places, so you cannot take your emotional support animal into a restaurant just because you want to. It doesn't matter if you have a vest on it saying that it's an emotional support animal. That is against the law. Um, they're not required to do specific tasks, which is different from service dogs, as you'll hear in a little bit. And they can be some other animals besides just dogs. You can go online and get your animal certified for various amounts of money, but it's a scam since therapists will often do it for their clients without charging them extra. Okay, so service dogs. One of the big things here is that there is no registration or certification in America for service dogs. In other places around the world there is, but not here in America. They are protected by the Americans with Disabilities Act and they're trained to do work or perform tasks specifically to ameliorate handlers diagnosed disability. So I think it's three tasks that they have to be able to do. Like my psychiatric service dog does grounding techniques when I'm anxious. She uh, alerts me to when I'm going to have a panic attack or anxiety. And she also um, will lay down behind me or next to me if I'm in a crowd to keep people from getting too close to me as well as a few other grounding things that she does. Special, they have special rights for flights, housing, and public access that are all protected by federal law. So if you have a service dog, um, they have to be well-trained, they have to be housebroken, they have to be friendly to other dogs, but if they behave well and they're trained to do tasks for you, then you can take them places like the bookstore and restaurants and pretty much anywhere except for sterile areas like in hospitals or the dentist's office. I know some psych wards won't let you take your psychiatric service dog with you or your other service dog with you um, if you're on a locked ward because there's no way for you to take them out to go to the bathroom and stuff. But there are several different types of service dogs. There are as many types of service dogs as there are disability. They have service dogs for bipolar, anxiety, PTSD, autism, depression, in addition to what you traditionally think of being service dogs, like guide dogs for the blind and seizure dogs and that type of thing. They can be any breed of dog, but can only be dogs as of March 15th, 2011. It, they used to allow some other animals, but they don't anymore. However, the ADA, the Americans with Disabilities Act, also has provisions for miniature horses, but they're not as protected, and it's really just kind of odd. I don't really understand it. Yeah, like you're going to take a little miniature horse into... Into the restaurant yeah. or on a plane. Uh, service dogs usually have to be extensively trained about a year or more. The training is really expensive, but can be less expensive with the right trainer. So a person can get a dog from a program where the dog is already trained, which is usually 10000 and up. I've seen them as much as $20,000. Or someone can own or train their own dog with the help of a dog trainer. So there is this woman in Asheville, in our area, who I spoke with about training my service dog. She wanted $700 a month for a minimum of 12 months. I found a guy who did a fantastic job who charged me $75 for every session at the training center and $100 every time we went out in public to practice public access stuff. And I ended up paying about $800 and I have 
a couple hundred more saved to practice with her at the airport and some other places. Not every dog can be a service dog. The dog must complete a suitability test before doing service dog training. And the test will test manners, personality, and behaviors to see if the dog has the potential to be a service dog. So just because you have a dog and you want them to be your service dog, that doesn't mean that they will be a good fit to be a service like dog. Like my for dog. You. Luna would not make a no, very good service dog. No, she would not. <laughs> she has a lot of energy, and she does. She still jump up. She jumps. She barks. Um, she nips at children. Yeah, yeah. she so would not make a she, very yeah, good service even dog. Even though I. And mentally ill, my dog would not be suitable for a service dog. If you're in our area, there's a place called Specialized Canine Services in Fairview. The guy's name is Steve Kennedy. He's affordable. He's fantastic. That's who trained River. His number is 828-222-2222. North Carolina service dog handlers can choose to register their service dogs with the Department of Vocational Rehabilitation. But federal law protects you from having to. The Department of VR mails you a tag for the dog's collar and a business card stating that access to public places is required for your dog. There's no mandated state or federal registration. All online registrations for service dogs that you see are scams. So even if they provide you with like a registration number and an identity card and a vest, that is not legal. That does not make your animal a service dog. Please don't do that. So in terms of uh, getting a service dog, it's not enough to just have a mental illness diagnosis. The mental illness must interfere with your person's, a person's daily living to the point of it being a disability. Also, public access. Under the Americans with Disability Act, state and local governments, businesses, and nonprofit organizations that serve the public generally must allow service dogs to accompany people with disabilities in all areas of the facility where the public is normally allowed to go. They can be excluded, like I was saying earlier, from some places like sterile areas of hospitals. Businesses cannot question about the handler's disability. So the only questions that businesses can legally ask are, is that a service dog and what tasks does he or she perform? And again, that's why Catherine said don't just go online and register your dog. Like I could go online and register Luna as a service dog and then, I mean, I'd take her into a store and she would just wreck the place. Also, it's against the law, which we'll talk about a little later. So here are some examples of tasks that a psychiatric service dog might do. Bring medication to handler, bring drinks to handler to take the medication, call 911 or the suicide hotline on a canine rescue phone. Canine rescue phones are really cool, but really expensive. Um, they also can go get another person if you're feeling suicidal or if you're not feeling well. They can interrupt self-harming or repetitive behaviors. They can provide tactile stimulation to disrupt overstimulation or panic attack like vigorous face or hand licking, which is what River does when I get really anxious. Or River also does this thing called deep pressure therapy, where she climbs up and puts the front half of her lap in the front half of her lap, the front half of her body in my lap to provide deep pressure therapy and calm me down. They can alert to oncoming panic attacks. 
They can buffer the handler from strangers, which is another thing that River does for me. But the trainers who work with service dog teams usually help them come up with the tasks that the dog is able to learn and will be able to do well. And I think it's neat that River is not specific to you in her task. Well, they're supposed to be. Yeah. (laughs) She just happens to love other people as well. So a story about that. One time I was out on a lake on a boat. And River was with me, and she kept jumping up in this person's lap. And I was like, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. And the person said, it's okay. I'm a dog person. And we found out the next day that the person had an anxiety disorder. Yeah, or when I get anxious Mm -hmm. and she's here. Yeah, she's not supposed to, but she does anyways. Um, Not every trainer who trains service dogs, and not every trainer is qualified to train service dogs. There's not a qualification process for them to go through to do that. Um, And hopefully any trainer you talk to will know their own limits and their own boundaries. But not every trainer is going to be a good fit for training service dogs because they may not have experience doing it. Or they may not be knowledgeable or it just might not be something that they're interested in doing. Mm -hmm. There are a lot of reasons. A person with a disability cannot be asked to remove his or her service animal from the premises unless the dog is out of control and the handler doesn't take effective action to control it or if the dog is not housebroken. One of the things that I did that's really helpful is I made this little business card and it says, Hi, my name is River and I'm a service animal. My right to accompany my handler is protected by federal law. And there's a picture of River... And it says on it, like, in accordance with the Americans with Disabilities Act of 1990, businesses may only ask, and then it lists the questions, and then it says businesses may not require special identification for the animal, ask about the handler's disability, charge additional fees because of the animal, or refuse admittance, isolate, segregate, or treat the handler less favorably than other patrons. Um, The last thing we're going to talk about is service dog etiquette because it's something that most people don't know a lot about. And then Joanne is going to also talk about teaching a child about service dog etiquette. So the first thing is that you should never distract the dog or interfere with his or her job. So different service dog handlers have different rules. And I just want to say that up front and say that this is like my set of guidelines for interacting with my service dog. But I think many of them are at least sort of universal. This includes like making kissy noises at the dog, calling to the dog, staring at it, talking to it, or petting it. Please do not go up to someone's service dog and pet it. If the dog is, um, say, a seizure dog and you distract them from what they're supposed to be doing, they could fail to alert their handler to an oncoming seizure and that could be really dangerous or even deadly for the handler. The best practice if you want to be like a great service dog interaction person is to ignore the dog completely because if the service dog's paying attention to you they're not paying attention to their handler. Also in North Carolina it's a class two misdemeanor to interfere with a service dog's work so you don't want to be charged with a misdemeanor either. Rule number two, do not ask about the handler's disability or other private health information. I feel like that's one of your biggest pet peeves. It is. Um, So I, 
some people have patches all over their dog's vest that say like PTSD service dog or seizure alert dog or psychiatric service dog or whatever their dog is for. And if they have those patches, like you've, you've got a little bit of information. You don't really need more. But also it's like none of your business. <laughs> it's, it's absolutely none of your business. So like River's Vest has a, a bunch of patches on it, but none of them explain what my disability is. And people ask all the time what she's for. Or like I was walking at Western Carolina University at Biltmore Park and uh, I had a guy say, are you blind or something? <laughs> Which is just, it's rude. It is rude. Um, if you're asking about the handler's disability or private health information, like it's none of your business, like we said. And it makes people who are handling the service dogs really uncomfortable. And it's like you wouldn't walk up to someone that was in a wheelchair and say, do you have a wheelchair because you can't walk? Yeah, you wouldn't um, walk up to anyone with any medical equipment and say, why do you have that? Yeah. Please don't ask how much someone paid to have their service dog trained or to get their service dog trained. Um, it's impolite. And if you really want to know, like, call the number of the trainer that they give you and you can ask them. If you don't work at a business and are just a curious bystander, don't ask what tasks the dog performs. This can very easily give away what disability a person has and they may not be comfortable talking about it with strangers. Like, I'm pretty open, and I don't care about telling strangers I have bipolar disorder that much. But sometimes I honestly just answer it to make them uncomfortable because I know that it will. But, like, for me, like, it would really bother me because I would get a service dog if my social anxiety got so out of control that I couldn't interact with people. And so for random strangers, like, I'd freak out if random strangers just consistently came up to me asking me questions about myself, asking me questions about my service dog. And there are special patches you can get that say, like... But then it's also, like, yeah, people then, don't, like, yeah. you know, people don't read things. They don't... No, they never read rivers. It says, stop. Please ignore me. I'm yeah, working. Don't pet me. And then they're like, can I pet your dog? <laughs> yeah. It says, like, do not distract. Stop. Please ignore me. I'm working. Um, one of them says, my invisibility... If you can see me, my invisibility cloak is out of order. Do not pet... Don't be offended if a handler doesn't want to stop and chat. So there's this thing called the spoon theory that we've talked about a few times now. And people with, basically people with disabilities may have less energy than people without disabilities. If I'm anxious and on edge or depressed, the last thing I really want to do is stop and play 20 questions with a stranger. It's nothing personal but I'm just trying to get in and out of the grocery store as quickly as possible, just like everybody else. So if you try and talk to me about my service dog and I'm having a bad mental health day, I'm not going to stop and chat with you. Please don't think that I'm being rude. You wouldn't think that I was rude if I was a stranger without a service dog and you tried to talk to me and I kind of walked away. So I don't know. Don't pet a service dog without explicit permission from its handler. So I have a rule that no one can pet River besides me while she's wearing her vest at all. That includes my parents. That includes my closest friends. That includes everyone. Some people with service dogs will let you pet their dogs, but you have to ask first. It's always a good idea to ask first before petting a dog anyways, because you never know if the dog is friendly or not. But again, different people have different policies about other people petting their service dogs.
don't offer a service dog food or treats without permission from his or her handler. This goes right back to the whole distraction thing. If they're getting fed by you, they're not paying attention to their handler. And it's kind of reiterating like, oh, it's okay to not pay attention and you're getting a treat for it. Yeah. It reinforces bad behavior. Do not let your dog approach a service dog without checking with the handler first. This is a distraction, but it can also be very dangerous. It may cause the service dog handler intense anxiety. Like every time a dog approaches River when she's got her vest on, I'm freaking out. If your dog hurts or kills the service dog, you could be convicted of a misdemeanor or a felony depending on where you live, and you will be responsible for veterinary care, boarding costs, or if the dog dies, the replacement of the dog, or training or retraining of the dog if the dog is injured so badly that it can no longer continue to be a service dog. So best case... Just keep your dog away from service dogs. Unless and, like, every other dog. Like, and also, when we're talking about public places, again, you shouldn't have your dog in Walmart if it's not a service dog. That is my biggest pet peeve. <laughs> That's my biggest pet peeve. I kept... So, around the area where I live, there was, like, a two- or three-day period where I saw the same little puppy being pushed in carts in stores barking every time river passed it and it was very obviously not a service dog and oh okay so one thing service dogs in training in north carolina do have the same uh, protections as fully trained service dogs however an eight-week-old puppy that is riding in the cart instead of learning how to walk on the leash is not in the process of being trained it is not a service dog. I know I said it's not a service dog. It's probably not a service dog in training. And I saw it twice, and both times it was barking at River, and they weren't even doing anything to correct it. And that's, again, why service dogs have such training, is so that they don't bark, bark at, other, at other people and yeah. dogs. Yeah. Although service dogs are still dogs, and they aren't perfect. Like, every time we go to the movie theater... River wants to eat all the popcorn off the floor, which is hilarious, but really embarrassing. <laughs> so I have to correct that behavior every time she does it. Don't assume or say that the dog is miserable or unhappy because they work all the time. So I had someone say to me once, like, that dog looks miserable. And it was this really rude lady who was asking a lot of questions. And um, it just, it was not a good day. Service dogs are very, very loved by their handlers and their handlers' families. They don't work 24-7, or at least a lot of them don't. They have time off for eating and sleeping and playing and cuddling. They love getting to spend almost all their time with their person. River used to go to doggy daycare before she was a service dog, and she liked that, but she loves getting to go everywhere with me, and if I leave the house without her, she's not happy about it. Don't draw unnecessary attention to a service dog team. If you say, aww, or look, a doggy, it will probably cause other people to turn and look, and that could be embarrassing, uncomfortable, or anxiety-producing for the service dog handler. Instead, allow the dog and handler to go about their business without comment like you would anyone else. Just pretend that the service dog isn't there. While I appreciate that everyone thinks my dog is beautiful, I don't necessarily appreciate that they always feel like they have to comment on it. 
don't pretend your service dog your don't pretend your dog is a service dog if it isn't almost 20 states including north carolina have laws making it illegal to fraudulently represent that a person has the right to be accompanied by a service dog in north carolina it's unlawful to disguise a dog as a service dog and doing so is a class 3 misdemeanor even in states where it isn't a crime, people shouldn't do this because it causes a lot of problems for legitimate and properly trained service dog teams. Do know that the service dog is very loved. Even though they work for us and perform tasks, our service dogs are part of our families. They get plenty of off-duty time, so there's no need to feel bad for them for working. They enjoy having a job. Um, my relationship with River is one of the most significant and important relationships in my life. Like, I don't know what I would do without her. She has been the reason before that has, like, pulled me out of suicidal thinking. Service dogs also allow their people to go through life with the added support they need to do well. In America, you should know, I already said this, but I'm going to reiterate it. Service dogs are not required to wear vests and there's no certification required. I always have a vest on River when we go out anyway because it lets her know she's working and stops other people from stopping me in stores and restaurants thinking that she isn't a service dog. But uh, in other areas of the world, there is a certification required. I'm not sure if other places require vests or not um, because I haven't taken her to other places in the world. Do use an encounter with a service dog as a teaching opportunity for friends, family, or children. Joanne's going to take over on this one. Yeah, I know. Right when River was done her training, you guys had already done your public training with your trainer, we decided that for River, as well as for Rylan, because um, he had never had interactions with service dogs out, that we would show up at Walmart while you guys were there, or you guys would show up at Walmart while we were there. So that way, River was getting the training of working in a store, in a public place, and seeing people that, that she, she knows, knows and, and that she loves and that she normally gets super excited to see. And then also, it was a learning opportunity for Rylan, because when we got there, I told Rylan that he was going to see River, but that because she was in a store... And even if she didn't have her vest on, that if you see a dog in a store, that they should be a service dog and to not talk to her, to not pet her, to not look at her, just to pretend that she was not there at all. And it's really, really challenging for him. And even now, aside from like when we go somewhere like PetSmart, where obviously there's going to be dogs in there, I tell him ahead of time that if you see a dog in the store, and it doesn't have a vest on, like, it's okay to ask if you can pet the dog. And back to what Catherine said, even beyond service animals, like when you have children, and especially if you have dogs of your own, make sure that you practice with them um, asking people if they can pet, or if your child can pet the dog, um, putting your hand out to let the dog sniff your child's hand beforehand. It's really important that they become aware of asking for permission again because not all I mean they don't require vests here at least for service dogs to at least ask um even though I know it's kind of intrusive to be asked questions but I feel like handlers 
We're capable of saying that if they're not wearing a vest, like, no, I'm sorry, this is a Well, and I feel like, especially, like, you can give your point on this, but I think that it's different when a child asks you a question than when it's a knowing adult asking, like, oh, can I pet your dog? Because that adult should know better than to be asking permission. I agree. Yeah. Yeah, when it's a child, I don't feel angry about it. <laughs> like, when it's a child, it's just sort of inconvenient. And I say, like, oh, no, I'm sorry. She's working right now. You can't pet her. And sometimes they'll have questions about that. And uh, I like to explain it as that she's wearing her superhero cape. And she's my superhero. And she's helping me right now to not be scared and not be afraid. And so she has to pay attention to me. Yeah. When and it's I, adults, I'm so I'm just like, sorry, no, she's working. And I feel like there's always, like, people are either, like, very aware or they just completely oblivious and don't care. Because a couple times we've gone to Walmart with you and other people with their children, they'll tell their children, like, don't look at the dog, mm-hmm. don't talk to the dog. Or the children will be like, that's a service dog, I can't pet it. And there's those type of people, and then there's people that, like, just grope your dog without asking. Yeah, I had a kid reach down in TJ Maxx and just start petting her. And I was like, oh, no, I'm sorry, you can't pet her. And he kept petting her, and I, like, physically moved her away from Yeah, me. and it's kind of hard because you don't want to, like... I wanted tell... to, like, grab his yeah, hand. Yeah, but you can't... You can't do that. Yeah, you can't do that. But, yeah, it's definitely important with service dogs and any dog that you teach your child to seek permission... That, and I mean, people want to get in the store and get out. Like, I want to get in the store and get out. I don't want my kid to be petting every dog that's in the store. Even when we go to PetSmart, I'm, like, trying not to go with him because I know that it's going to be, like, an inconvenience for me, an inconvenience for other people, like... Well, and I'm not trying to have to tell my whole life story, like, every time someone gets curious about River. And think about how many, like... You go to Walmart and there's, what, at least 50 people in the store? Like, do you really want to stop for a minute for 50 people No. each to pet your dog? No. And if she's paying attention to them, she's not paying attention to me or if I'm getting super anxious or not. And it makes me super anxious when people try and interact with my dog. And then she gets distracted and then you have to, like, take a minute for her to remember that she's working mm-hmm. and for her to get back in her routine just for two minutes later, someone else to come along and distract her. Yeah. So that's what we've got on service dogs, emotional support animals, and therapy dogs slash animals today, guys. Uh, make sure you have Nishala Joy Devi's The Secret Power of Yoga read um, by the 26th, like we will. And have a great day. Our goals for Illuminated by You include raising awareness and reducing stigma of mental illness, providing information for those affected by mental health struggles firsthand and their family and friends, and providing information to the general public who wish to be better informed about mental illness and the effects it can have on people and systems. Illuminated by You is produced for your enjoyment and more information about it can be found at www.illuminatedbyyou.com. Come back often and feel free to add the podcast to your favorite RSS feed or iTunes. It's also available at soundcloud.com slash illuminatedbyyou. You can follow us on Twitter at illuminatedbyyou 
at Joe underscore Liz with six Z's underscore yoga at Catherine Cottom and at River the Wonderdale and on Facebook by searching for Illuminated by You. All links are available on the website. outro and transition music used in this and all episodes is looking back by lee rosevere